Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Darshan McAway. You're tuned in to Wild Podcast. By all means, go to wildpodcast.me. That's W-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot M-E. Now, today we have a special guest. We have Nina Matianu. Nina, how are you? Excellent. How are you? I'm doing well. So let's talk about your book, A Diary in the Age of Water. Well, it's a story about the journey of four generations of women and their unique relationship with water uh, during a time of environmental change. It starts in the near, in the far future with Keo. She's a blue forest nymph with four arms in the dying boreal forest. And she yearns to know more about the age of water when the water twins basically destroyed humanity. So she finds a diary by limnologist Lina during that time. The book spans about 40 years from the 2020s to the 2060s, at least the diary part does, and then into the far future, mostly through this diary. So um, during the diarist's lifetime, all things to do with water are overseen and controlled by the international giant water utility, Canada Corp., with powers to arrest and detain anyone. So this is a world in which China owns America, and America, in turn, owns Canada. So in the premise of my book, foreign companies now mine Canada's watersheds with impunity and at minimal cost. The United States and China aggressively mine Canada's groundwater, glaciers, rain, surface water through massive diversion projects to rehydrate the dwindling aquifers of the United States. The book also explores the original Nawapa project put to Congress in the 1960s by an engineering company in the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. This was a plan to divert huge amounts of water from Canada through a 500-mile reservoir in the Rocky Mountain Trench. And that's still being looked at, to be honest with you. Wow. So water is the most abundant thing on Earth. Uh, Given how common it is, what made you decide to write about it? Well, I've been fascinated by water since since childhood, since as a as a kid, I was scared of water. I couldn't swim. So um, my brother and sister would go out swimming, and me, I'd stay on shore and study it. When I started writing professionally, I was drawn to write mostly science fiction and speculative fiction. I continued my fascination with water, and uh, like I said, I was studying it. And it has uh, over 70 anomalous properties. It's an amazing substance. So I write mostly eco-fiction in which the environment plays a major role in the story. And, of course, water enters into it. So lately I've been writing mostly climate fiction. And water is, of course, at the root of climate change effects. You know, storms, hurricanes, droughts, and floods. Water plays a major role in there. So lately what I've been doing is creating more of a character with water. So in, in an important way... In this particular book, water is the fifth character, you could say, even the main character. So water is the theme and carries each woman on her personal journey with climate change and the devastation that occurs through water, I might add. I mean, climate change is a water phenomenon. So water, like place and setting, plays a subtle yet powerful role in the story. It influences each character in her own way and brings them all together in the overall journey of humanity during a time of great catastrophic change. So let's talk about water a little bit more, especially during this pandemic. 
what sort of water is more healthier for the average uh, individual? Uh, you know, there's a difference between, I guess, the distilled and the alkaline. What, what's the best water for anybody to drink on, on the average? Well, natural water is. Um, there are lots of individual scientists and other people, researchers, who talk about something called structured water versus bulk water. So water can change its consistency, its actual structure, depending on whether it's been polluted in some way through chemicals, through even frequencies that go through water. So there, um, I'm sure you're aware of some of the companies that, that uh, put water through um, what's what's it called? Like it's not a tornado, a vortex. A vortex to create, literally create to restructure the water. Mm-hmm. So distilled water is okay, but it what what's happened with distilled water is that you're removing some things that should be in the water that's good for us. So let's switch it up a little bit. Let's talk about your main character, uh, Keo. Is that correct? Okay. Uh, well, she's one of the main characters. I can't, can't say she's the main character. Uh, the bulk of the story is actually the journal, but Keo begins and ends the story. So in a way, she is perhaps the main character, the protagonist. So she's she starts the story off in the, in the far future. She's a blue-skinned, multi-armed human being. She's still a human, essentially a water being, though. And she's she's a young girl, so she's searching for answers, looking for answers as to why the world is the way it currently is due to climate change. And she's in a dying boreal forest. And so her story frames the gritty diary part by the limnologist, by Lina. And in a way, Keo represents the future. So because she's a young girl, in some ways her part of the story is really a coming of age, finding maturity. And if you look beyond that to the metaphoric connection she has to water and the planet, maybe it, she kind of represents this in a larger way as humanity's own coming of change. So that's hmm. how I framed it. What made you decide to write it as a diary instead of a narrative? Oh, good question. Um yeah, so the largest part of the story, the middle part, is a diary. And I, ch- I chose it for that very reason because we do flip from the far future into the near future. So mm-hmm. um, so very much like Margaret Atwood in her books, based on real events and even real people, the diary part is. So I wanted a, a personal relevance to what was going on, particularly with climate change. I also wanted to achieve a kind of a gritty realism of the mundane, and a diary felt just right. Lina, who's the diarist, she's a limnologist, is also a reclusive, inexpressive kind of character. She's quite complex, but she's very inside herself. So I thought a personal diary would help bring out her thoughts and feelings more. You know, there's nothing like eavesdropping to make the mundane exciting. So I'm curious, a person who studies water is a limnologist, what are, what are people's first and last impression about you? <laughs> That's a great question. Oh, my gosh. Well, probably the first impression is that I'm a bit of an imp. I'm, I'm a happy-go-lucky type person. I joke a lot. I was the youngest in, in my family, and um, I was born in Granby, Quebec, uh, known for its zoo, and my older brother told me that they found me there in the zoo. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> just just to set up this, you know, who I am, what I, whatever. Uh, what do people come away? Usually that I'm more intelligent than I look. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm now I have a lot of curiosity. This is why I, I created this podcast. Now I heard you had a book that was Margaret Atwood's favorite one year. Can you oh. tell me about that? Right. Oh, that's great. I know that was amazing. Um, I had no idea that was going to happen. So here, just to set it up, um, Margaret Atwood mentioned my book Water Is. This is a book that I'd written prior to this, to this one. It's a nonfiction book about water. And she placed it as her number one choice of books that she recommended to read in the New York Times year in reading for 2016. That's when Water Is came out. Initially, I'd only briefly met her before at a function and had the chance to personally give her a copy of her book mm-hmm. because she's also an environmentalist, and I thought she didn't truly enjoy it. I knew that she doesn't normally do endorsements, so that was the end of it. So... Christmas Day comes along, and a colleague in Romania, along with their Christmas greeting, congratulated me on being Margaret Atwood's choice in the New York Times. Wow. That's when I heard about it. That was that was my Christmas present that year. So hmm. she she just decided that she really liked the book and put it in her recommendations. Yeah, it was, was wonderful. That is wonderful. I did get to meet her again and thank her for that, so I tracked her down. <laughs> good deal, good deal. So let's tell the listeners where they could uh, possibly find you on social media or purchase your books. Um, my book can be purchased at almost any bookstore, particularly any online bookstore, uh, all the Amazons all across the planet, uh, Kobo, um, Indigo, Barnes & Noble, etc., um, what was the other question, where they can contact me? Yeah, I'm, through social I'm, media. Yeah, definitely. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I have my own uh, several websites. One is called The Meaning of Water. Another one is called The Alien Next Door. For um, I write science fiction. That's why, The Alien Next Door. And then there's ninamontiano.me or .ca, depending on uh, whether you want to go to my writing site or my my coaching site. I, I teach how to write. I teach at U of T how to write, and, and I have a coaching site as well. Awesome. Well, I'm your host, Darshan McAway. We're talking to author Nina Montianu. We're talking to her about her latest book, A Diary in the Age of Water. Nina, it was such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. My pleasure, too. Thank you, Darshan.